Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Kermick. In this episode, I'm talking to Michael Harrison about a new double CD he's just produced of the music of his grandmother, fiddle player Aggie White. Hello and welcome to The Rolling Wave. Well, tonight, a new double CD of the music of fiddle player Aggie White has just been released, researched, edited and produced by her grandson, Michael Harrison, who's also a fiddle player himself. I'm going to be talking to Michael in a minute about Aggie White and her music. But first, here she is from 1951, playing two jigs, The Irish Washerwoman and Whelan's. Maggie White playing the Irish Washerwoman and Whelan's jig from a new double CD release of her music produced by her grandson, Michael Harrison, who's with me now. Michael, you're very welcome to the programme. That track, that's one of a number of tracks on this CD from the Alan Lomax collection, recorded here in 1951. Do you know much about the context of that trip and how Aggie White came to be involved and recorded? Well, I believe Seamus Ennis accompanied Alan Lomax around... Ireland, uh, particularly the areas where the heart of Irish music was at the time. So I, I suppose from Dublin they went to Cork and Kerry and Clare and then eventually to, to Galway. And uh, I believe those recordings occurred in Carna in Galway. And, and yeah, so so Alan Lomax himself was, is an, was an American ethnomusicologist and he was visiting Ireland to discover more about Irish music and, and the folk music here. And so, yes, they, they, he, he must have invited the Banal Kilkelly band to, uh, to record them. And, and, um, and so Aggie played a few solos as well as playing as part of the Banal Kilkelly band. And yeah, so I was delighted to get those recordings. And uh, they, Todd Harvey and Nathan Salzberg, who are curators of the Alan Lomax collection, were very, very good to me in allowing me to use the photos, the, the photo of which actually is on the cover of the album and, and also recordings of Aggie. Um, they're they're absolutely gorgeous and the sound quality on them is so good and such clarity in them but her, her sister uh, Bridie also played the fiddle and I think Seamus Ennis described them as being did he say they were the perfect fiddle duet in their playing of the, the Mason's Apron that, which is on one of these recordings as well from the Alan Lomax collection Yes that's uh, yeah, that's that's what I learned as well um, Martin Fahey who's Aggie's brother-in-law um, who's um, Bridie's husband he was very good writing a few notes and telling me about the, the the music of that time and and Aggie and everything and 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 included in the notes yes was was that reference there to what Seamus Ennis said about that particular duet of the Mason's Apron and listening back yes I I I I, I do feel quite an energy and a, quite a spark and great chemistry between Aggie and her sister Bridie. Thank you. 
the Alan Lomax collection is just one of your sources for these recordings and we'll talk about some of the others in a minute because you've 51 tracks uh, on this double CD project so quite a lot and I know that was whittled down <laughs> from even more but but first of all just to give things a context maybe tell me a little bit about Aggie White herself. She was born in 1920 and she grew up in, in Ballinakill. Her, her father Tommy was um, a fiddle player himself and I suppose that's where the tradition of fiddle playing came from. And he was a founder member of the Banalakil Dance Players, as it was known at the time, and then later on the Banalakil Cayley Band. And um, so she, there was music always there in her life. I suppose initially she was taught by Tommy, taught how to play the fiddle, and then she went to lessons then from Jack Mulcair, who was teaching at the, the Banalakil School at the time. And so I think she was one of his first pupils, actually. And then because of the Banalakil traditional dance players, music was always around the area and it was quite steeped in music at the time as well in Banalakil was. And so she got to know people such as Eddie Maloney and and Heather Lachlan as she was growing up. And and uh, there's even a photo there that I have of, of Eddie Maloney and herself back in 1937 with a, a trophy from a fish that they, they, they did. And um, from from I think it's from the Connacht Tribune, actually, you know, so it was a nice, it was a lovely early photo to have included in the album. And um, and there's uh, two duets of, of herself and Eddie as well, sourced from, from RTE, which was great. But as, as, as time went on, then she, yes, she, she met... Seamus Ryan, who I, I would have known as Pop, and uh, he was a Corkman himself, and he moved to Ballinakil and taught there in, in, in my class. And he's a principal, and, and um, but a fine singer he was as well, and, and even better entertainers. And, and together they had twins, my mom Ma- Kathleen and my auntie Maureen. And yeah, and so the, the music kept going on as a, as a small family and, and developed into session groups. And as a person, she was she was very, very generous person, very kind. She was, in ways, she was shy, but in her fiddle playing, I think you could tell that she was very confident and very strong and um, powerful. And um, now she wouldn't have been one to flaunt herself or anything now, but she, 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 she was definitely generous and kind with her time and in, in, with her music. She married Seamus Ryan in 1952 and uh, as you say they you know he was a great singer and you have a track on this record of him singing well there are a couple of tracks of him singing but this one in particular he's singing um, Indian and Falatinic and we might just have a quick listen to it because it gives I think um, it gives a, a feel of his personality as well as what a good singer he was. Yes it does uh, I was so delighted to stumble upon this track and I could really get a great sense of pop there when he was singing this song. From your father Right, I had a little dairy, fall the deal, right, I had a little fall the o. She answered me most cheerfully, be not the least alarmed. You'll get my mother's blessing and best wishes from my father. We'll join our hands in wedlock bands and live happy ever after. Right, I had a little dairy, fall the deal. Right, I had a little faldio. Seamus Ryan singing Inin and Falatinic there from the RTE archives and that's from 1971 and that's one of the tracks on this CD, double CD project where we're chatting about here, um, the music of Aggie White. Um, the home which Seamus and Aggie had together with their two daughters, Kathleen and Maureen, that seems to have sort of continued on the tradition of uh, of music from which she would have grown up with. It seems to have been a very musical household full of visitors, uh, lots of people coming through. There's um, Kathleen and Maureen on the CD sleeve notes paint a lovely picture of uh just the stream of visitors alone, Joe Burke, Padre Lachlan, Seamus Connolly, Eddie Maloney, you mentioned, Willie Clancy, Paddy Carty. It's kind of an amazing list of musicians, isn't it, to have uh, in and out of your house? 
Yes, um, I suppose little did they know at the time that they such legends were in the house playing music and um, and um, it's 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 I suppose it's a nice thing for for Mam and Mayanti to to reflect on and to 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 really take in that uh, what they had was a very special thing and yeah there were some fantastic names that used to call to the house and 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 they also called as well to many other people's houses I when I was in touch with various people about Aggie and to learn more about her life and her music. Um, a lot of them mentioned Killaloo and, and the times they had there, I think were probably in Seamus Connolly's house and, and as well, you know, on their on their holidays, Mam was, was mentioning in the in the notes as well that they'd often go to the Kinkora Hotel because they knew Sonny Mullins who, who owned the hotel and and the visits there would last a couple of weeks at a time and and uh, they'd meet the likes of you know Michael Russell there, Kitty Linan, loads of other musicians. And um, one funny memory, I suppose, of Mam was you know the time when they'd be packing up the car, someone would say, "Come on in for another tune," and and ended up being another three nights there. And and Mam said that happened so many times. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a nice memory to to see you now again. <laughs> because she died in 1979 so you didn't meet her but just from what you've heard what what was she like as a person I mean you said she was shy uh, what what else do you know about her uh, yeah, I was asking mam recently about uh, you know that and and um and maybe shy isn't the exact word but you know she she was a very caring woman and uh, she loved playing with other people and um you know uh, although she may have been a bit shy as a, as a person her her music was definitely um is is where she expressed herself i suppose you know she was quite a, a lot of energy in her music and um and she was very um very accurate with her playing and, as well but but also you know she wasn't a fiddle teacher either but you know when i was speaking to Seamus Connolly about Aggie he he remembered a moment that was um very important to him with regards to when he met Aggie uh, i think it was a, a concert in 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 Portumna Bula Hall in, in Portumna where he said that um you know he's watching Father Kelly and, and Aggie perform and they were playing the Chattering Magpie and there was a um, part of the tune where, where Aggie's bow was, was very, very good technique being used by her, on her, with her bow hand and, and he decided to ask her anyway and, and he did and, and there and then Aggie showed uh, Seamus what she was doing and, and the technique and, um, and he was so grateful for that and um, I was just delighted to hear that story and to get a better insight as to the type of woman she was. Mm. the Alan Lomax recordings there and there were also recordings on this double CD from RTE's archive here but some of the recordings on this CD are home recordings which you were and are incredibly lucky to have. Tell me when you discovered these first and, and what that was like. 
Well, these recordings, they were always in the house somewhere, I think. Or, But uh, a man by the name of, um, he was a priest, Father Solon from uh, Whitegate. He he recorded a lot of the the recordings in, in these tapes. And um, and thank thank God he did, you know, because there was such an abundance of recordings of her. And that's what the uh, the album is um, mainly based on, are, are those recordings. And um, Was he a musician as well, Michael? Father Solon. I'm not sure now was he a musician himself. But obviously interested. Yeah, hugely interested. And uh, and uh, he obviously felt the importance at the time of recording these musicians. I suppose there weren't as many op- many opportunities as there are now in recording people. So... Um, so it was it was it was a great thing that that this occurred and um but anyway the the tapes themselves I, were handed down to my auntie Maureen and Maureen gave them to mam and uh, and then my mam decided to give them to Jurfahi who um who digitized them maybe in the late nineties it was to so that we could get a, a better so we could actually hear them I suppose because we didn't have a a real to real player at the time and so he did and it was great to hear a few of the tracks that he compiled into a few CDs for us to listen to and. Uh, I'll always remember Aggie and Pather playing in one of the tracks and I just felt there was an amazing spark and chemistry in how they played and um, I, I I couldn't describe it really. It was just such a wonderful thing. But then after a while, I suppose, they, they went away, those reels, reels up into the attic somewhere in a suitcase and uh, then back in 2014, myself and my wife Janine, we were in a band called Full Set and we were looking for tunes and I thought maybe this might be a good place to, to start and so we got them out and uh, my mum got a, a real three player from a neighbour and and we played them and I, one of the first things I heard was um, Aggie and Father Kelly playing together and uh, and they were both playing one of Father Kelly's tunes and I just thought this, this was quite a unique thing to hear you know uh, Father Kelly himself on the piano playing the melody uh, on his right hand with Aggie on the fiddle playing his own compositions you know I think they were they were f- freshly written at the time. So I just felt, you know, whatever about me using any of these tunes, this this particular uh, resource or treasure, you could say, is needed to be heard by everybody. So uh, from that, I suppose, I decided to start um, compiling all these uh, recordings and all the reel-to-reels. There's about 24 of the reels and uh, go through them all and see what would, what would work and what wouldn't. And thankfully, there was a lot there to work with. And so I felt very good about the process then. Do you remember what that track was that you heard, The which one it was? Yeah, there was there was only a few Father Kelly ones, and um, I suppose they were the the harder ones to restore at the time. But um, um, the one with him playing the piano on it is is Mrs. Kelly's fancy and the loose con jig, which is featured in the album. White and Father uh, PJ Kelly there playing together from the uh, Aggie White double CD that we're talking about with Michael Harrison here on the Rolling Wave tonight. Um, there's also a, a few, just while we stay with um, Father Kelly, there are some very nice recordings, home recordings of Aggie White playing some of his tunes as well. 
um, solo, which were presumably part of that um, batch of recordings you got from Father Solon. Is that right? I'm thinking especially of uh, Father Kelly's Ben Hill and the Rossmore Jetty. Yes, that's correct. And um, Father Kelly and, and, and Aggie and Seamus were, were great friends. And and he, he used to come home from his work in the missionaries in, in Fiji every seven years. And he'd only stay one year and go back again for another seven years. So there was always great excitement when Father Kelly came home and they had a chance to play tunes and um and actually, you know, Aggie and, and Seamus, uh, they grew up, so Aggie grew up in the in, in uh, Capricorn, which is the townland in the parish of Ban the Kill. And, and that's where um, where Aggie, Seamus and the twins lived. And and uh, there's, I suppose there's a bit of a story behind one of these tunes called the Capricorn Chase, because um, they, they were, Aggie, Seamus and the twins were coming home from an event one night and and as they were travelling along, the, there was a car behind them. And and, uh, and then when they were turning into their house, the car behind them turned into their house too. And it so happened that it was Father Kelly in the car behind them. And he was he was driving in. And he was thinking of a tune at the time when he came into the house. And straight away, he sat down, wrote down on a piece of paper. And, and that was what ended up being the Capricorn chase. And, and they lived at the bottom of Ben Hill as well, Mam and, and Maureen and, and Aggie and Seamus, and, which is the name of this tune, uh, Father Kelly's Ben Hill. So it was nice to see the... The connections there with Father Kelly and Aggie and even in the titles of his tunes. striking things about Aggie White I always think is that she she comes across as being um, very independent or quite independent and strong even though I know you say that you know she was shy in some ways but there's just this great clarity and sort of directness in her music and and even the fact uh, that she seems to have kept her maiden name I mean we're not talking about Aggie Ryan <laughs> here yeah. tonight do you know do you know what I mean is is that a sense that you get of her uh, yeah when when I was speaking to mum about that, you know, because I suppose it wasn't common at the time for for a wife, uh, let's say, to keep keep their their maiden name. Uh, but I suppose uh, Aggie established herself as Aggie White in the music circles. Uh, but locally in Annalkill, she may have been known as Mrs. Ryan. And um, so there was a bit of both, I suppose, depending on on how you knew her, maybe. But Aggie White Ryan, I think, is a is a happy medium there as well. So, um, but yeah, yeah, she like I, I, I suppose she she did have the opportunity as well to travel around, and and perform, and um, you know she was a homemaker as well at the same time, but but also because she had such a a great husband in Seamus Ryan, uh, who was so fond of the music and entertainment as well, and who was good with the kids and everything as I mentioned, um, you know she had the uh, the opportunity there and the. Uh, and the encouragement there to to make sure she did you know keep on with her music and and keep playing the fiddle and uh, playing with many other musicians at that time. Yeah, and like she won the All Ireland Fiddle Competition in nineteen fifty three, just a year after having twins, which in itself deserves a medal in my book. But um, she also yes. had a very nice uh, you know musical partnership with Padre O'Loughlin. They won competitions together, and they made an album on the on that um, Brendan Branagh label, Spole. Um, that was that was unusual at the time, wasn't it? To go making an album and release it. Did did you hear much growing up about the the musical partnership or the friendship between herself and and Padre O'Loughlin, say at the time? 
Uh, yeah, like at the time, I suppose, um, all I knew of Aggie, I suppose, was that recording of Shankyola and Shanos, uh, as well as the couple of recordings she did with with Miss with Elizabeth Crotty. And um, and after that, I suppose there weren't too many that I knew of, maybe the odd few RTE broadcasts on the radio. So it, it was a wonderful CD and um, it, was, it was a great way to show off how the musical chemistry was there between Pather and Aggie. And I, I, I definitely wanted to include that in this album as well without without using those tracks, you know, because I felt that was a lovely item in its own. And uh, just to add to it, I, I, I used um, three separate tracks, one being Pather on the flute with Aggie, another one with Pather on the fiddle with Aggie and another one with Pather on the pipes with Aggie. So I was delighted to, thanks to, to Noreen, uh, Pather's daughter, who, who um, gave me permission to use those tracks. And I was delighted to have them there, two of which, the, two of those three, which came from the home recordings and one from, from RTE. and Aggie White there and uh, there's so many duets on this album and we can't go through them all because they're you know they're just as I say 51 tracks but one more that stands out I think for me anyway is the one with Joe Burke and uh, she I don't know I don't know I don't have a date for this but this is again as a home recording uh, tell me about the the friendship she had with Joe Burke that goes back a long way yes too. um yeah again growing up I would have heard a lot about Joe and Aggie and how close they were and um I had a lot of recordings of them together but I that particular one that of um, Joe that you're referring to where they're playing a couple of jigs. I just, um, I, I liked the, the sound of it and the, the spark they had. And um, and uh, yes, they won the All-Ireland duet together and they won many competitions together. But I suppose mainly their, their great friendship is what, is what they had together also. And um, I remember listening before to an interview with Father Kelly and and, uh, and he was speaking with Joe Burke and they were reflecting on their time with Aggie and the great tunes they played together and the great performances they had together and uh, and, and, and especially the great times they had too. <laughs> Joe Burke and Aggie White, they're playing together from this Aggie White double CD that we're, we're talking about on the rolling wave tonight. Um, Seamus Ryan, Aggie's uh, husband, died in 1999. So you, you knew him, Michael. You knew him quite well, did you? I did, yes. Um, uh, he was quite... Uh uh, he was a wonderful man, and I, I loved always going into to have chats with him and and um, learning more about his time and and also just even in school when I was learning about history, he was he was great himself at at um, talking about history and things, and he really brought subjects I was learning in school to life. And um, but he was always you know singing and and dancing, and he was just a, a brilliant man altogether. And um, yeah. And did he know you played? Uh, yeah, he. I, I was I was starting to play at the time uh, before he died in 1999. Um, I was playing a few years, and uh, um, yeah, I do remember. I think I I I got a 
a medal in the county flower one time and I showed him and uh, I think um, he was sick at the time I think you know uh, but but it was a very nice thing to, to be able to get the chance to, to show him as well you know so um, And I, I believe you won the All-Ireland yourself then 51 years after <laughs> your your granny had won it Yes it was um, it was a lovely thing to see Aggie's name on the trophy and then to be able to put mine alongside it so uh, that was a, a very special time and, and um, that was in Letterkenny I, I remember and um, what was what made it all the more special I suppose was, was also Bridie Bridie was there Aggie's sister um, so so it was nice to, that she was there when, when it happened and um, yeah it was a, a, a lovely time I know that you spoke to a lot of people who knew Aggie when you were working on this project as well as going through uh, hours and hours and hours of, of tape. Are there are there stories from those conversations that stand out for you now looking back? Um, yeah, there was there was one time in particular when I decided to go on that journey of finding out more about Aggie. Um, I thought Chris Droney would, would have been a great person to speak with and he really was, I must say. I, I contacted Anne Curran, his daughter, to, to arrange a visit to his house in Bell Harbour uh, to speak about Aggie and that musical era. And it was just such an honour to meet such a legend in the music. And um, and I was delighted to bring my mum as well. Um, he recalled one morning as he was guiding the sheep down the road, he saw a car parked up at the gate in the in, in and in the rear window. He spotted the drum with the name Ban La Kilkelly Band on it. And um, so he looked in and he saw that the members of the band, including Aggie, were asleep in the car and uh, they were on their way to a performance or maybe on their way back from one but their car had broken down and, and so Chris invited them back to his house and one of the members of the band spotted a concertina beside his fireplace and asked uh, who played it and sure of course it was Chris and, and uh, I suppose the rest of the night was history then they had a great night all together and, and, and he spoke very very highly of Aggie's playing uh, when I asked him about it a bit more and he said that uh, oh she had an amazing bow hand like you know and, and a lot of people did Recall her bow hand being extremely strong and very powerful. Um, style was produced because of her bow hand, and and her technique with her bow. and And he said himself that uh, she had a bow hand that went from Bell Harbour to Ballinakill. So I, I thought that was a nice little quote to take from him. <laughs> Absolutely, from Bell Harbour to Ballinakill, it's very very good. Yeah. Um, she died at an awfully young age, Michael. I mean, she was only fifty nine. That's you know that's incredibly young. Um. Well, she, she died. Um. She was on her way to a performance in Burr uh, with, with the session group, and um, and as she was getting ready to go, uh, I believe she it was it was it was to do with her, her heart is why she died. So she had a, a heart attack, I believe, and um, she may have had some some heart issues as well. But uh, that that's kind of what took her uh, in the end anyway. And um, you know, in the middle of what she was doing, which was her her favorite thing, going playing music with her her family and friends. So yeah, that that's how she passed. Okay. And as a young fiddle player then, so as I say, you didn't know her because she, you were born after after she died. But as a young fiddle player then, was she a presence for you? I mean, were you aware of her sort of as a musician in your family? Yeah, I, I was always aware of her. Um, you know, her name was always being said. And uh, and then when I got got into the music a bit more uh, growing up, um, going to flas and things, ma'am would bump into people who would, who would know of Aggie and, and they'd have conversations and I could see from that like you know that she was obviously a very special woman and uh, and then I, I was being referred to then maybe as, as Aggie White's grandson which was uh, a very proud thing to be referred to as and, and I suppose uh, Pop his joke my mum told me was that when he'd meet people at Flacios they'd say you're Aggie White's husband and what's your name so uh, <laughs> you know but uh, and I suppose I didn't know how much of you know it's hard to ex- explain I suppose that um 
I, I just knew the name growing up and it was hard for me to know how, how well known she was then outside of, of uh, my family, let's say. And um, and I suppose I, I appreciate it all, all the more then when I, I uploaded the, the first track of this album of Bonnie Kate and Jenny's Chickens on her, what would have been her 100th birthday there at the end of October. Just, just to commemorate her 100th birthday, I decided to put up something on social media, which was that track and a picture of her. And I was letting everybody know that I'm producing this album and um, I was blown away by the response. So... So in that moment, I knew that this was definitely a, a very worthwhile project. No question about that. No question at all. Um, and you must feel, you know, having spent, well, a, a, at least uh, four or five years working on this and gathering tracks bit by bit, you must feel like you know her a lot better now, do you? Yes. Uh, as I was saying earlier, the only two recordings I knew really of her was the, the Sean Kohler and Shannos and the few recordings from Mrs. Crotty and, and the odd few bits from the Van Kilkelly band as well. And um delving into this I, I knew very little compared to what I know now and um, it was great to just encompass all the Aggie White as a, as a musician in, in a very complete way you know, with regards to the uh, the duets as well as the solos and um, yeah I was delighted to, to see the company she played with was just kind of I suppose spoke a lot about how, how people felt about Aggie White as well uh, you know with the likes of Paddy Fahey, Joe Burke, Pather Lachlan, Eddie Maloney, Michael Russell and uh, many more who were included in this album uh, with as duets and uh, and Seamus Connolly as well and Paddy Carty. I better not leave anyone out oh, now that I'm it's starting. It's a very long so. list. <laughs> it's, hard to but, um, it's hard to fit them all in. Yeah, but. and and Elizabeth Crotty and, and uh, Anya Hines is on the piano in one as well. It's good to have a few more ladies involved too. Like so. Um, um, well, look, it's an amazing collection and uh, it it is um, a fantastic overview of Aggie White and her music and the, the production of it, even in the photographs and everything, is just they're beautiful. There's some great gems in there and uh, lovely tunes from so many people that you've tried to mention. But if we've left anyone out, we're, we're both very sorry. And uh, <laughs> the thing to do is go and purchase the um, the Aggie White double CD. You can get it on Bandcamp um, or I presume you can get it from all the, the usual record shops. And it's great to have especially in terms of uh, women traditional musicians. It's great to have such uh, a, a big canon of recordings released now and available for all. So congratulations, Michael. And uh, thanks a million for being with us on The Rolling Wave tonight. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this interview was first broadcast on the 7th of February 2021. Till the next time, Gurmina Magi Agasla.